Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Sean, you know who's on? I know who's on. And Thank I know you? who's not on. And I, I don't know on? some of the people who are on. <laughs> a lot of people are not on because, you know, there will right. be a little too many people. Can we, can we go through them all? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah we got about, we got about five days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, I will say who are on are really people who matter in the current um, environment with trillions of dollars of uh, taxpayers' investments coming right into the society for recovery and for boosting up the country into a better future. And with so much money, guess what? Do you think it, uh, magically they're all going to be kaboom, you know, wonderful, bringing Cinderella effects to all of us or some careful and smart thinking uh, will do us all good. So that's what these people who are on will share with us. But let's yeah, super, let's start super with smart people board. with with a plan and a goal and money to make it happen, and me. And you. <laughs> eh? Yeah, and <laughs> you are. Let, let me let, let me let me pause a second because you know we are actually on video, but this is a podcast, so people heard this voice. Some may have recognized Len Jensen. Some other, maybe not. So, Len, officially you're co-hosting this Redefining Society with us. We're going to talk, of course, about smart cities. Uh, can you do a little introduction about yourself? And then you as a co-host, please present the other two guests on the show. What an honor, Marco and Sean, to be back here. Indeed, I've spoken a couple of times before, and my focus with you both has been uh, cybersecurity privacy, as well as uh, with the smart cities movement. 
And uh, for that, I would say uh, my nonprofit that I founded five years ago has been making headways. It has benefited millions of uh, people uh, through innovations in two aspects. One is uh, tangible consulting projects. Uh, for example, for the 14 cities and counties in the San Francisco Bay Area, regional cybersecurity governance model. Um, and then the second category is uh, cybersecurity and uh, privacy uh, culture through events. Uh, we do an annual event in September now, um, and you both have uh, graced our event uh, before. Um, so uh, along with, uh, of course, the event itself is um, being sponsored by NIST, the, the ultimate um, organization that orchestrates <laughs> uh, smart cities. Um, and so uh, with me today, that's my uh, quick background, uh, Lan Jensen. Uh, now I have the honor to introduce Dan Nelson and Austin Zwick into today's show. Uh, both of them have been tremendous um, forces in articulating and uh, orchestrating another innovation, which is, uh, we call it a microcredit certificate course. And of course, they, in, uh, we title Leading Smart Cities with Trust. Without further ado, let me bring, invite uh, Dan to speak about how we came into being with this course. Of course, everyone knows that uh, Maxwell School at Syracuse University is uh, ranked number one in the United States in public affairs program uh, by US News and World Report. So Dan, without further ado, the floor is yours, please. Uh, sure. It's uh, great to be here, Lan, and uh, with you, Marco and Sean. Uh, again, my name is Dan Nelson. I am with the Maxwell School of Citizenship Public Affairs at Syracuse University, and our focus is on uh, improving public governance. Uh, obviously, we have a number of programs working with people with full-time study, uh, but we are also heavily engaged with supporting practitioners in the field. And so this short course that we're discussing today, I'll turn the time over to Austin, Leading Smart Cities with Trust is another example of Maxwell's effort to connect research um, and the implementation of best practices for the benefit of civil servants and those working with government uh, to improve specifically in this area of smart cities. I'll turn it to Austin. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Austin Zwick. I am a assistant teaching professor at the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs. I focus on how municipal government is helping regulate emerging industries, such as the platform economy, artificial intelligence, and of course, smart cities. And so today I'll be help, helping lead the discussion on what cities are doing and what cities can be doing going into the future on, in order to help keep the keep pace with this new world of technology. Uh, Austin, if I may mention about your book, which also will be part of the course. Uh, and so your book also uh, looked into examples in the past uh, number of years, uh, including failures such as the Google 
<laughs> sidewalk project, as well as uh, some uh, successful uh, implementations in the world. Uh, is that uh, understanding correct? Absolutely. Uh, so last fall, I released a book called, uh, along with my co-editor, Zach, Zachary Spicer, who called the platform economy and to the smart city, technology and the transformation of urban policy. In this book, we brought together about a dozen of the leading academics uh, who looked at different case studies of smart city implementation. What we really focused on is over the past decade or so, oh, cities went very quickly from trying to be reactive to urban new technologies. Things like Uber, when they arrived on the scene, shocked cities in trying to figure out how to regulate this, how to keep up. They've never seen something like this before. And there's a lot of pressure on them in order to reactively create policy. And very quickly, they started to think about, okay, well, we have to get ahead of the curve now. How do we go from reactive policymaking to proactive governance? And so the book, chapter by chapter, starts to walk through about how cities started to first be behind the curve, and now they're starting to be the curve themselves. Right, back to uh, Marco Shang. You two have such a phenomenal, quick and accurate pulse on the society and communities and the people. That's my impression from uh, coming onto your show previously. So I know you have uh, some questions probably have been circling in your mind. Uh, bring them forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I want to talk, I guess we're going to talk two things, one smart cities specifically, but then also this program. And I'm wondering if it makes sense to start with, I don't know if it's rooted in your book, Austin, um, <clears throat> just what, what is a smart city? Um, is there, is there a common definition? Um, Cause if you approach smart city from the technology perspective, you're going to start look for, looking for technologies to move things forward. If you come at from a policy perspective, you're going to look for, well, how do we enable and kind of govern things in certain ways? If you come at it from a, from a societal perspective, maybe, uh, maybe budgets or, I don't know, but my point is different perspectives, different things. And it sounds like your book and perhaps even the program that you're putting together kind of brings it all together with some common ground. Is that right? Absolutely. So, Asking the question, what is a smart city, is, is a, the million-dollar question. It's a term that has been around for a while now, now, a couple of decades, but it really became popularized in the early to mid-2000s, leading by IBM with their Smarter Cities Challenge. They may or may not have coined the original usage of the term, but they definitely popularized it. And once IBM started using it, all the other big telecom companies started to do the exact same thing, from Nokia uh, to Simons, on and on, because the, the idea of trying to get cities to use technology and seeing the benefits of doing so was a big area. And since then, what we've really seen is three main different ideas of what a smart city is. There's a lot of different definitions out there, but they really fall into one of these three ideas. The first one is infrastructure. And this is where a lot of money and investment is, and it's usually where a lot of the US government definitions of what a smart city is, because that's where they pour the money into. And even though there's been progress made over the last, last decade, my research really shows there's a lot of room still to grow in this regards. 
cities, some cities have started to make progress, but most cities are still trying to implement these basic technologies. But once you get the infrastructure in place, it starts to create a lot of data that can then be used to help inform decision-making and policy-making. And so this is where cities are really starting to need to invest money now, is what do you do with all this data once you have it? How does that build back in to, to, the, to those processes in order to make best use of it? And where I think a lot of people, at least academics, want to see this go, practitioners maybe a little less so, is moving into the engagement and equity space. It's how do we use technology in order to build a more fair and just world? And I think that is something that we're always just on the cusp of doing, but never quite there yet. But those three ideas together, I think really builds the foundation of what a smart city is. It's an infrastructure question, a data question, and an equity and engagement question. God, if I had a dollar every time I asked that question about what's well, a smart city, I'll be retired by now. now I'll still be asking the same question, but I, I, lo I love these three points. And, and I often wonder, <laughs> without technology, cities have been around for a long time. And um, let me rephrase that, without computer networking, <laughs> the modern technology, because there's always been some kind of technology. But you always needed to be smart somehow to to run a city, right? I mean, even in the Middle Age or uh, any possible time you can think about, and some they fail, some they succeed. So how can we make a city, first of all, smart, and then add the technology layer on it to make it even more smart? So I think the expectations of what our government does and how it works has increased over time. Well, I mean, even yes, there's always been cities, but if you look back back into the medieval era and going forward, the expectations of the state has increasingly grown over time. And at the same time, we've had this, in the, at least in the, the United States and the rest of the world, a devolution of governance from the federal government to the state to the local level. And so the amount of emphasis and responsibilities of local governments is greater than it's ever been. At the same time, they're dealing with tighter budgets that they, they've ever had to because no one wants to raise property taxes. Like that, that is a political loser all across the board. But it's ultimately what funds our local governments. And so there is a base level of responsibility. At the, at, and there's always been that in order to provide things like water, provide sewer, provide uh, that. But I think starting now, we've said we expect a lot more of our governments than we used to. We didn't expect them to provide things like public housing formally. We didn't expect them to be able to attract all the jobs of the future and create innovation economies. But if you look at mayors across the country now, especially with what like Bloomberg Philanthropies is doing and in order to, and it's what works to these challenges, they're stepping up to the plate in order to become the political and policy leaders of the 21st century. And so what technology does is it enables much more efficient decisions in order to be able to stretch resources a lot further. Things like smart grids, smart water, smart waste basically means the amount of money we can spend in order to serve, it ends up serving a lot more people. No, I love that, uh, Austin. And Dan, I want to go to you and then Len, uh, you, you take it after, after Dan. Because this program is, was created to 
well, maybe you tell me what, what the program was created, but my sense is to, to kind of help get ahead of this curve of cities are trying to find a path forward, maybe don't know where to start, who to turn to, what they need to know, those types of things. So, and so connected to the work you're doing at Maxwell School, how did this come about for you to, to put this program together? Sure. Thanks, Sean. Uh, I will, I will say for the Maxwell School's always been uh, focused on trying to find pragmatic solutions to real complicated, messy, wicked world problems. And universities are always going to benefit for those who have the chance to study full time. But in 1964, Maxwell set up an executive education outreach effort so that in areas as government evolves, things do change. Uh, we could work with practitioners in the field, people on the job, in the experience, those who can't take two years, four years off. And with that, that's always helped then feed the research to make sure that we don't get trapped in our ivory tower, coming up with ideas that make sense to us, but they really benefit uh, those practicing. So this is one more uh, evidence of that outreach effort that's going on. So we run these programs that are gone traditionally you will, pre-COVID, most of this work is happening on campus and people are coming for two, four, six weeks, a couple of months for various programs that are going on. We're working with state and local governments. We're working with uh, the federal government. We're working with governments around the world uh, across different cutting edge research areas. This has now opened up now. We are more open to new delivery methods and platforms and finding new ways to connect both everyone on campus uh, as well as with are a huge network of people who are working uh, in cities and governments around the world and can share their light and perspective. So this is an effort about building networks uh, between thought leaders at the university, as well as thought leaders who are practitioners in the field and building up a, an area that's underrepresented uh, traditionally because it hasn't been around that long, uh, working with smart cities. Yeah, I think of networks, um, I think of land. <laughs> you're, you're so 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 super connected with so many people it's amazing well thank you i take that as an encouragement um and it um is a well what do they say uh innovation is a comes out of necessity <laughs> right um and especially in this space uh smart cities are actually not something new as austin mentioned but there have been bottlenecks. And I'll give you some examples, right? Earlier we mentioned about the Google's project. You know, we're not trying to cast a salt on their wound or anything, but it is a legit case that indicates all the bottlenecks and the uh, traps without thinking ahead. It is <laughs> easy to fall into. Um, recently, there is another example in, unfortunately, you know, a uh, friends, friendly city, New Orleans, the smart city uh, ran into also a little debacle, even though the leaders have the vision to want to bring their city up into the modern times to utilize all the latest uh, offerings from technologies. However, when it comes to the implementation, Xiang, uh, you know, to your point, the, the devil is it in the details and unfortunately that detail got deviated from the good call, uh, path 
And so that's another example that highlights that, hey, all of this needs people to come together. And a third uh, aspect that brought me to think about this and work behind the scene to uh, help bring this program forward is this. Um, Shang and Marco, you, I think you are actually also may be interested to hear this. The different governmental functions, they are so siloed that sometimes they rely on me to connect them, the people, the CIOs, and the emergency services manager, and then the public uh, information speaker or the record uh, keeper, uh, recorder, you know, all the different roles, uh, guess what? They're so busy. They do not speak a lot of the times. And so sometimes they say, hey, Lan, you are well connected. Can you <laughs> introduce me with this other people in the mayor's office? Um, the city manager, etc. So that is another reason that um, the, such a course can bring the impact out of people in a safe environment. You know, some people may say, a mayor can say, hey, you know, we now have a smart cities vision. Let's all get these people together. Number one, they may not all know who are the right people. Uh, think of it, right, to bring to the table, number one. And number two, um, those people also may not feel the necessity and there it, it may be different from their day-to-day -day job. But with a program, and then there might be political um, reasons. But if everyone can come into a program like this that also is geographically dispersed or diverse, as well as functionally very diverse. So now you have a formula for success because people are much more open-minded to share their experiences without having to feel like, oh, I'm being political, I'm not being friendly to the other department. Uh, so that is the one reason that we worked to bring this forward. Um, a third reason is um, related to the NIST smart and secure cities and uh, communities initiative. That initiative has been going on for five plus years now. And um, that group has been producing also literature. And that literature is ready, is available for local government officials to sink their teeth in. And so that's when we need a lot of storytellers, really, people like you, Sean and Marco, to connect the dots and use the language that uh, is friendly to people who speak English, <laughs> not, not the smart cities, you know? So what is that? Um, so that's the other dimension that uh, brought it all together. I love that, Lan. And I mean, telling stories is one thing. Um, creating them is another and I'm, I'm going to go to Dan with this because and maybe Mark will take it Austin for all the, the the elements within it but you're able to pull uh, yeah th things together uh, obviously land land is uh, supporting this as well tremendously but you're you're bringing this program together that, that gives a nice package of 
information for folks to to take and and utilize and and move forward with their own cities and that's really hard to do so you're creating that story and it sounds like by being part of it they help further create that story uh, amongst each other right so they they can kind of help each other learn and, and continue to grow so who is part of this course who 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 do you see attending what are some of the types of people the roles they have uh, what contributions do you think they, they will bring by being part of this course? Sure. I mean, th- this course uh, is an example of trying to build knowledge networks and knowledge communities. Uh, so we see a chance for everyone to interact with leading scholars, obviously, like Austin and people within the, in the faculty that are going on uh, happening but we're really trying to build another network. You gave credit to Land as being uh, a network builder here earlier on in this podcast. And that's what these programs are meant to meant to build is uh, a stronger network between uh, like-minded folks. Uh, people are often uh, siloed um, just because of the capacity of their skills and the departments in which they're working on. It's hard to get best practices disseminated across different government bodies. And so this program is about building that connection um, between between participants so that they can learn from one another, whether they're coming from, sure, some will come from an academic background, but many are gonna be in local, state, uh, county governments, and they're going to be searching for what has worked, why did it work, what, what was difficult, what fell back. And those are the lessons that only can come out in a safe space like this program when you have the ability to interact with fellow um, friends who are at different stages of the same aspects of building up these smart cities and supporting smart government. What what part of the government are they from? Sorry, Marco. No, go ahead. Are they council members I, for? Yeah, if I may chime in, yeah. uh, based on my um, experience in the field, uh, yes, uh, people in the governments of all kinds of roles uh, may be interested. I've been in talks with some like city managers, um, even elected officials, uh, right, mayors. And um, the, I mentioned earlier public uh, record or public information speakers, because they also, they are the uh, speaker for the whole city. Therefore, they are the connector between the people they serve and the government. So if they know um, the right, or if they, they know the language and also the benefits, then they can tell that much more impactful story and build up trust with the, the people they serve. Because everything we now know, trust needs to be at the forefront if you want your smart cities initiative to succeed. We have heard lots of stories that got pulled back Right, not just the Google example. Um, in the in the Bay Area, I personally know a couple of them. Like you know, uh, camera, uh, facial recognition, and the um, yeah, small cell, the five um, G implementations. Uh, so a lot of things. Uh, Austin mentioned about data. Data is such a thing that has such tremendous. Uh, tremendous uh, potential, as a word, 
Um, but in the meantime, it is something that we all have learned to hold dear to our heart because that is our digital twin. That's our <laughs> uh, the the other entity that lives on the internet that we don't sometimes have full control over, uh, right? Because of the content, once you post something out there, it can be permanent, um, and. Uh, all of those needed to be considered um, when the design, in the design phase, you do not want to implement a project and then after you spend money and time and then later on face the, the question from your uh, key stakeholders saying, hey, I'm not feeling comfortable with this. Um, my kids' data, where are they now? Uh, who get to see them? Uh, so all of those, oh, you're making money out of this now? <laughs> you know, uh, so they all need to be considered. And that's the beauty of this course. It can bring all of these people into this safe environment so that we can all speak from our own experiences. Um, speaking of which then, that we also ideally uh, hope to see some nonprofit leaders in the mix as well because they have been representing their communities a lot. Um, and even just uh, professionals uh, who are interested in the space. So bring forward. And this is going to be the first course. And down the line, there may be uh, follow-up courses so that you have a series of the certificates which position you very strongly for a career that is in great demand. Austin, now I'm going to pass the ball to you, but I want to make a, a little point here. Th there is not just one way to build a smart city because I'm thinking... My way. My way is the best way, Marco. I know. That, that's why you're not even part of the course. They, they didn't invite you. <laughs> but, but there's going to be people that work for a small city, a mid-city, a larger city in a geographic area, in another geographic area, and then they all have constituents and policies start to come into play. So once they be, they're part of this course, and hopefully many other courses like this all over the, the world, how do they take this knowledge, the, this exchange of ideas, and bring them back, but adapt it to their own individual case and community? So I'd like to chime in and say there's no connection between the size of a city and how smart that city is. I think when people hear smart city, they think New York City, Silicon Valley, some major metropolis. Money. They think money, money. But that's we need not, money. <laughs> but it, that's not the case, though. What okay. we see is this wave of investment interest, updating of infrastructure that's happening across across the country, especially with the infrastructure package that was passed late last year. We're, we're going to be installing all these new power lines, all these new water lines, all of these new fiber optic cables across the country. And that's going to create ample opportunity in a lot of different cities. And so one example I want to give is the city of Syracuse itself. The former chief data officer of the city of Syracuse, Sam Edelstein, once called Syracuse the smartest small city. Because the number of accolades the city of Syracuse has won, a city of only 120,000 people in upstate New York is, in, is innumerable for all the different projects that they are trying to implement. Between the smart streetlight program, where they're, where they're 
implementing all sorts of different sensors, trying to track where all of the, the uh, abandoned houses are, trying to understand where they should allocate police forces better. All of these decisions take data and small cities across the country are doing this. And so what they, with the, a course like this, to, to build off what of what Lan was saying earlier, uh, uh, some of these projects, some of the high-profile pro- projects that we hear about have run into challenges because they haven't thought things through and haven't made decisions at, at the beginning. And one example I write about in my book is the, the Sidewalk Toronto project in, in the Keyside neighborhood. Is Google came in and wanted to build this new smart city on this rather small parcel of land. It was originally 12 acres. They asked for something bigger. There was a back and forth. But the project ultimately failed. And it failed because by the time that Google, uh, they, there was no th- data governance structure in place. When we talk about things like the access of data, the security of data, who data ownership, what are privacy rights? There were no rules in place from either the city, state, or federal level. Again, Canada would be provincial level. But the, therefore, they asked Google, just put forth what you want, and then we'll comment. And they did exactly that. And of course, Google put forth policies that would benefit themselves. And when the public heard about these things and saw these proposals, there was such huge backlash to those proposals that the whole project trust was lost, confidence was lost, and eventually it killed the whole thing. Let's not do that again. Let's let's have a course well, how, like. How this. do we not do that? How do we not do that? Because I, I, it's a it's a delicate dance, yeah. right, between the technologists who know how this stuff works because they built it, yeah, and yeah. and then everybody else who has to take it because they know how to implement it. <laughs> right. But so if and I, may, I guess, yeah. The, yeah, go ahead, Len. So if I may bring in an example, um, also a success example besides Syracuse, um, there is a 50,000 people strong seaside resort uh, city in, in Florida, a city of Coral Gables. And it's uh, nickname is uh, City Beautiful. It has won as early as 2018, the top place of, uh, in terms of uh, smart cities or digital capabilities. And ever since then, they have been advancing year after year. And if you ask me why, of course, there are many success factors, but one particular one is that the team always is in sync with their residents, with their key stakeholders. So what are the functionalities they focus on doing come from their stakeholders. One example is that uh, drones deployment to serve the rescue, hurricane uh, rescue uh, needs. That is a city in Florida, as we know, Every year, it's just a, it's not a ma- matter of if, it's a matter of when that they're going to get hurricanes. And so um, they have that usage, uh, and they have also another case of uh, using AI to search for lost children. And in the example that they 
put it to use within two minutes, they identified the lost child. So they do not just、um, implement bling bling <laughs> technologies just because they sound so cool, and they have been building up the entire、uh, ecosystem behind the scenes securely, so that every other functionality that they brought uh, in uh, works well with their ecosystem, and also does not require. A tremendous amount of、uh, investment. Oh, speaking of which, they also are so、uh, innovative that they have a particular way to find funding.、Um, that、um, today's time is too short, so I'm not going to go into details. But you can trust that that example will be covered in the certificate course, so that people also will not only find、uh, the knowledge about、uh, how to Pick the right、uh, solutions for your own residents, your key stakeholders, and strategize it. And they will also learn how to engage、uh, with their、uh, key stakeholders, and then try to find funding、um, to pave the way towards success. So that's what we are all going to cover in the six-week-long certificate course. Did that answer the question? You said, like, how is it even possible? So we we did show right that it is possible.、Uh, a fifty thousand people strong city did it year after year. So yeah, the question to become smart is not a question just for big cities. It's a question for all city managers throughout throughout the country.、Uh, and Dan and I about a year ago started looking around at other programs who and trying to figure out. Is there anything out there like this right now? Is there anyone trying to get city administrators to understand what they need to know to not repeat the sidewalk labs mistake again? And the answer was no. No one else is bringing together practitioners and policymakers and academics to answer questions on things like how do we implement a cybersecurity system? How do we answer, how do we create a data governance structure? How do we make sure that people are engaged in the right way? And that's what this course is all about. And how are we sure that the citizen are actually going to support the programs that are being implemented? Because again, as you bring the the Google example, it just didn't calculate what was going to be the effect onto the the city itself. It was just driven by technology. From what I'm understanding, and honestly, Austin, I would love to have you back and talk more about your book, actually, and and have a more philosophical view over、uh, the the concept of smart city. But I cannot welcome、uh, more than what I am already going to say right now on how exciting it is to see that there is such program, the first one in, into an academic. Environment with the participation of all the stakeholders, and Len, I have the feeling that there's going to be many more. What what、uh, what do you think is going to be the the future? Are you already working with with other similar program, and maybe NIST is getting involved into this? That is the vision, and we already have seen movement going in that direction.、Uh, some larger local governments, as we know. Have、uh, a large budget now coming down from the federal government, 
the pipeline, right? You name it, like the American Rescue Plan Act, upper, and also there's recent uh, new, uh, newly signed into law by President Biden in June, the S2520 State and Local Government Cybersecurity Act. So you, you know that uh, everyone's waking up to the need of a secure digital environment or ecosystem. And so, yes, that is the vision and uh, we will work together closely with all partners uh, to bring that in, into the fold. Speaking of which, I might as well also mention a few other partners uh, besides Syracuse University's uh, Maxwell School, uh, CyberTrust America, and the the uh, smart the GCTC Global City Teams Challenge under NIST, uh, we have two other confirmed partners. They are US Ignite, uh, which is a think tank as well as a bridge to bring thought leadership into reality with the funding opportunities and uh, and resources uh, or information uh, from federal governments. Um, the other one is called uh, Global Cyber Alliance, GCA. That's another highly reputable nonprofit that has been providing a lot of uh, good capabilities for cybersecurity for local governments, uh, including smart cities implementations. If time permits, I was going to come back to another thing that uh, Marco mentioned uh, that uh, tickled my brain a bit. It's about each city and county or local government. Uh, by the way, local governments also include school districts, right? And that, you know, has tremendous uh, uh, impact on raising future generations. Um, but what I was going to touch on is that as the smart cities movement become more cost beneficial, more wise, people also have now been realizing that the boundaries, the city boundaries, do not need to be standing in the way of implementing their vision because there's a lot of um, cost benefits and economy of scale if several neighboring cities and counties can integrate some of the smart city functionalities, capabilities together. So just imagine the possibilities of that. And that is already being implemented in some ways. Earlier I mentioned about the, the regional cybersecurity governance in the San Francisco Bay Area across 14 cities and counties. So that's one example. And we hope to have uh, solid experiences to share throughout this course, as well as uh, upcoming sister courses. Nice one, Lynn. I'm always impressed by all the, all the work that you're doing. And uh, it was an honor to, to meet you so many years ago now and, and to see things progress like they have. And thank you for uh, bringing this program and certificate or certificate program to, uh, to us to make us aware of it and for bringing Dan and Austin on to help uh, describe how it works and who it's for and why it matters. I think 
I think you, you said it earlier that the budgets are there, right? Uh, certainly the interest is there, the technology is there. It's just a matter of aligning all the right folks to the right parts and and uh, doing something that matters for the citizens uh, of the cities that uh, will avail of all the smartness that comes its way. So with that, um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Thank you, Land, for uh, for being an honorary uh, co-host today and Austin Dan for for joining us. For everybody listening, there will be links to the program, uh, all of the stuff that Land does uh, with her her initiatives, and anything else that Austin and Dan think uh, would be helpful on uh, on folks' journey to uh, become a smart a smarter city. So thanks, everybody. Kudos to you, Sean and Marco. Let's redefine society and cybersecurity before uh, embarking on something blindly. Somebody defines it for us. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a good change. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itsbmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.